Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and this is going to be an interesting one. We're going to talk about fixing micronutrient issues today. Now I'm not just saying, oh, we think everybody should throw a, a few micros out there in their pop-up or in their two-by-two or something like that. No, no, no. We're talking about let's get things fixed out there. And what we found on our own farm and certainly with farmers that we work with all around the world is that micronutrients can certainly be a holdup for yield, but they can also lead to some poor quality issues, whether it be with just the plant itself concerning standability or just vigor, other things going on, or it could be something where you have poor quality feed that you're feeding down the road, whether it's silage or the grain or so forth. So micronutrients are really important. And as we've been working on them, it's it's been kind of fun on our own farm. I mean, it costs money to fix some of these fertility things, but when the return on investment is there, if you're investing $5 an acre and getting back 10 each year after that, that's pretty good. So we're looking for those types of things for our farm where, hey, we can fix this thing once. And with many of these micros, we're using such a small amount. If we get things right, it's not like we're going to have to be out there every year putting a whole bunch more on. Now we can look at maintenance levels and maintaining and those types of things and keeping us in continuously in a good spot for raising high yields. So we will talk about fixing micronutrient issues on your farm throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag right now. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, lots of questions here. Uh, get this one, Brian, that I think will hit just just right up your alley. It's a baseball question. I don't know if you know this for, for our listeners out there, but I don't know if you know, but Brian's a big baseball fan, really enjoyed playing the sport growing up, coaching the sport. And so we occasionally get some baseball field questions. Got this one from Mark in Illinois. He said, I'm on the little league board in the area, getting ready to help clean up the fields that Weren't necessarily taken care of great last year. Just wondering if you have any recommendations for ground clearing herbicides I could put down on the sand and dirt fields. So when you're a farmer or an agronomist, you hear about these ground sterilants. And in some cases, we've used ground sterilants on our on our farm operations around our farmyards. The problem I have with ground sterilants is that they can leach and or move sideways in the soil with water. So that's not good when you're trying to make sure that the rest of your field is pristine. So I absolutely do not recommend that at all. I would suggest either Roundup or tillage. If you have constant I'll call it traffic out there, you know, kids are running around, you're you you are uh, raking the field, uh, you know, even dragging the field, that's going to keep the weeds out. So you just have to get it back into that kind of condition. And so again, I'd say either Roundup, which has no soil residual, and you don't have to worry about the leaching or the off-target movement very much, uh, you know, once it's 
placed properly the first day. I'm not saying you don't have to worry about drift. I'm just saying you don't have to worry about it moving later. So either go that or go tillage. I would not do anything else. I absolutely would not use a ground sterilant. All right. Thanks for the question, Mark, and good luck with your baseball season coming up. Got this uh, set of soil samples from Patrick. He said, I'm in southern Maryland. I've got a 10-acre field. It's been soybeans for the last 20 years, but I would like to convert that ground over to grow orchard grass for hay. So I've got soil samples here. It's a 10-acre field. I split this up evenly uh, into four areas, so two and a half acre grids. I put 400 pounds of lime on the spring, trying to get the pH up and get some calcium levels up. Uh, I hear you talking about preloading phosphorus because of its immobility, but these soils are pretty light. Should I try some of that? Should I just broadcast P every year since I'll probably get more movement through these lighter soils? And also, how much organic matter realistically could I increase in the next five years and keeping a, uh, if I am doing no tillage, growing hay and keeping a similar nutrient program? I would say to increase organic matter a half a percent in five years, maybe one percent in five years would be something that is achievable. In terms of the soil, yes, it's very light, three or four CEC. Normally, when we're go going to talk about perennial crops, we say preload the soil with P and K, copper and zinc, nutrients that are very immobile in soil. So with as light as the ground is, would I go to the degree that I would in the heavy soils? No, no, I wouldn't. But I would still get get a fair amount of phosphorus out there because right now you basically have almost nothing of, you have almost no phosphorus, almost no zinc, almost no, no potassium, and almost no copper. So for these immobile nutrients, you don't have any right now. So I would get a good dose out there now. The lime, yeah, that absolutely is going to help. You're going to have to stay on top of that because you are at a 5.2 to 5.5 pH. So I don't know how much lime it's going to take. I don't know how often you're going to have to put that back on again. And then beyond that, anytime we're talking about any grass crop, Nitrogen and sulfur, super, super, super important, and boron is important as well, and all three of those are leachable. So not only do you need to put some on every year, you're going to need to put some on probably every month or two, and then you should be in good shape. All right, thanks for the question. Got this one uh, from JJ who says, uh, you guys are talking about sulfur. The plant will tell you if it needs sulfur, but the soil test is not very reliable. Testing the soil doesn't tell you. If the plant needs it, sap analysis has been a better way for us. Well, the problem with that is by the time you see that the plant needs it, or by the time you sense the plant needs it, the plant has already run short. So that's the issue that we've got. We know that sulfur is needed in, I mean, for a lot of crops, dozens of pounds per year, and we know it's leachable. So we're not suggesting that anybody spends all their fertilizer budget on sulfur, but you got to spend some, and you got to do it every year, or usually it's going to be a mess. All right, well, stay tuned. We will talk about micronutrient issues right after this. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. 
With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about micronutrient issues on farms. And obviously, micronutrients are essential for any crop that you're raising. Some crops are certainly more sensitive to one micronutrient than others, but you definitely need all of them out there in your field. And you need to figure out, first of all, how much do you need to have? Got our friend Jerry Willem with AgroLiquid on right now, who's done a lot of research over many years with micronutrients. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Always glad to be here, Darren. Thank you. All right. I know everybody wants to talk NPNK, and frankly, the discussion on sulfur has been pretty vibrant here the last few years, too, which is great. But we can't forget about these micronutrients just because we don't need a lot of them. We certainly need them, don't we? Yeah, I mean, that's that's often the missing link. Uh, every nutrient that a plant needs is, is, a, is equally important as the other ones, and certainly it's more important than a nutrient it doesn't need. So that's why Always go back to soil tests, complete soil tests. Uh, and we've known on our farm that, you know, leaving out micronutrients can really hurt you and rob you of yield that you need to get the best crop you can. So why do it? You know, you mentioned the complete soil tests, and we do find so many growers that just aren't even measuring them. And a lot of times growers are working with a fertilizer supplier that may even tell them, ah, oh, that's not, not a big deal. We're just measuring yeah. for N, P, and K out in your field. But I, I agree with you. I, I think that's completely bad information. Yeah, I've, uh, I tell this story sometimes. I went to a field in, uh, well, I was out of state a few years ago, and went down there and this guy had a terrible sulfur deficiency and I asked for the soil test and no micronutrients. So I took a soil test, took a plant sample. It was a manganese deficiency. So here he had been putting on all this sulfur. And so that's what I mean when you're putting on a nutrient that you don't need, but you're leaving out the ones that you do need. And this happened to be a micronutrient. So he could have saved a lot of time and issues and picked up the yield that he could have had if he would have put on manganese. 
Yeah, it makes a, makes a big difference. And, and you mentioned manganese there, and I know that's been a, a popular one that a lot of growers are figuring out. Boy, my crop is telling me I'm short in manganese through a soil test, through a plant tissue test, through a sap test, a lot of different ways to look at it. But one of the challenges I hear from growers is, man, i got to put on low rates. My dealer has a dry source, and I'm worried there's going to be a granule here and then 10 feet away another one. It sure feels like liquid's a good way to address these issues. Issues. Well, I mean, I'm certainly not going to argue that point, but it's just like, you know, our P and K nutrients, you know, put them where they will do the most good. And that's close to the row or in the row uh, rather than, you know, out where the plant has to search for it. And, you know, people don't realize roots only contact maybe 4% of the soil volume, even though they're pretty massive, but uh, in terms of the amount of soil that they actually contact, it's relatively low. So of course we like the liquid manganese or micronutrients, zinc, whatever, whatever you're called for, uh, to be placed right there with the roots so you have a 100% chance of it finding it rather than a minor chance of it not. And I have spread dry fertilizers before. I guess I really haven't looked at building, trying to build my levels. I mean, I'm just trying to put on what the crop needs for the yield. But uh, And you can do okay, but you're, you're, you know that you're just getting a small percentage of what you apply, and I like to do it the other way. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go at this, and and I sure agree with you. When we're putting nutrients really close to the row and where the root system's going to come in contact with them, the uptake is so much better. But not everybody's set up like that, Jerry. Not everybody could could either do a two by two or a, or an inferro right. type placement. What about the early season applications? Do you see some guys either wide dropping or foliar feeding micros? And if so, what tips would you have for success? Well, we have done both uh, foliar. I mean, band applying is, is the best, and uh, but you can still kind of band apply, like with a Y-drop. Uh, we've actually run uh, micronutrients through Y-drop, particularly ones that are needed later in the corn, like corn, corn growth, like borons needed a little bit later. And so that's a good time to uh, apply that micronutrient. Uh, foliar has also done well with, we've had good, good results with manganese manganese is probably our major that sounds funny major micronutrient that we're uh, <laughs> short on uh but anyway so getting it on any way you can is better than you know just not even trying anything so foliar might be not the best way but it is a way of getting it into a, certainly soybeans but also we've had results with it on corn as well how about in some of the permanent crops or, or perennial crops? I, I think about alfalfa. I know a lot of times we'll get questions from growers about how do I best feed something like alfalfa and can I mix micros in with my between cutting recipe that I'm using, those types of questions. I, I'm sure you get a lot of alfalfa guys up your way too. Yeah, I mean, with a, with a crop like alfalfa, the nutrient demand's really high and so you know, we're not going to tell somebody not to spread potash if they need that. But we have had plenty of research that if you can just put on maybe a few gallons of additional nutrients, and you know that the crop, like alfalfa, needs lots of potassium, but also boron. And we've seen response to manganese. Sulfur is the big one. That's not a micronutrient, but I thought I'd mention it. We've had tremendous responses to uh, liquid sulfur applications, but putting in the micros there as well. And that's the nice thing about foliar. You know, you basically put in whatever you want. And we do get good uptake. And I like foliar because alfalfa roots go down like maybe 20 feet or something like that. So that's just a good 
a good door into that plant is going in through the leaves. Sure, sure. Now, the other thing, Jerry, we get a lot of questions about is just compatibility, mixing fertility. And I, I know a lot of times if there's a micronutrient, like you had mentioned manganese earlier, and a grower says, all right, I, I need to put some manganese on, is that just going to mix with anything or do you got to be pretty cautious? Uh, do you recommend jar testing? Where Where do you go when you're blending things together like that? Well, I mean, depends on what you're using with agro liquid. You, you don't really have to do that because they are compatible. But yeah, generally, if you if you are going to try something, particularly like we like to run like you know weed hopper spray or something like that, you want to do some compatibility there. And then this will give me the chance to say that one other thing that we've noticed with micronutrients is this synergism, and that's like our product, Micro Five Hundred. You know, has five micronutrients in it, and we get a better response. With, the, with that one application of five micronutrients and say a single micronutrient by itself because it seems that the presence of the other micronutrients, they all kind of stimulate each other's uptake. And uh, so that's why we like that product. But uh, we have also had very good results because of our manganese deficiency. We can add that micro 500 and then spike it with boron or manganese and, and get an even better response. You know, the blended micro product is something that we get a lot of questions on. A lot of growers asking about that. And how do you determine the, the ratio of the nutrients in there? Just a lot of questions. Do you determine it just by performance in the field or is there a, a method to how much of each one you're putting in? Generally, it's a, it's a performance in the field. Our years of research, we kind of have a good idea of how much to recommend in, in, in different situations. Uh, you know, speaking about our, our products, but I have not you know, done a whole lot of work with others. I mean, I've done some with like EDTA chelated uh, micronutrients and, and those seem to mix well. If you're calling for a couple of micronutrients, I've had good results with those, but certainly more familiar with like the micro 500 and, and additional nutrients. And so we've done the research and know that like for your yield goal and your soil test levels, you need, you know, this, this much uh, volume of the micronutrients. And, our win rate's been very high with that, uh, you know, given economic responses. And uh, so, I mean, I, I couldn't even think of going out to a, trying to plant a crop without micronutrients because the, the values there is so strong. All right, Jerry, growing season's about to start here. How do we track uh, what you and your team are doing at AgriLiquid and at the, the North Central Research Station? Well, uh, we actually do have a website, northcentralresearch.com. You can track that. Uh, we also have social media, North Central Research, on uh, Facebook and that sort of thing, loaded with uh, pictures and things. And we're hoping to have our farm show in the, the Agro Expo. It's uh, over 100 vendors on that. Uh, it's actually held at the North Central Research Station, and uh, so we'll be giving posts on that. So hopefully people can come out to that or just follow us on social media and see what's going on. Sounds great. Jerry, thank you so much. We appreciate all the information. Good luck to you heading into the spring. Well, good luck to everybody. Thank you, Darren. Talking about micronutrients on our show today and also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. 
That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPVD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your Burndown. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking micronutrients on today's program. Broadcasting live here from the Morton studio and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to California. Got our friend Paul Borges on with us right now. He's a consultant out there. Paul, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Okay, so you work with a lot of different farmers in in uh, what percentage would you say of the time when you first start working with someone that they actually have soil test data to tell you where they're at with micronutrients? 
maybe 50% of the time, starting with someone new. <laughs> that, that's not bad. 50%, I think. <laughs> it's probably swinging better than some of the soil tests that we get in here. But it's it's funny, though, as we continue to talk about this, we'll get tests that people will send in. We just had one yesterday, I think. And the grower said, I apologize. I don't have micronutrients on the test. All I have is this. <laughs> All right, so talk to us about that, because you, you work with a lot of different crops, and, and certainly yeah. crops need micros. How, how big a deal is it for you as a consultant? to have that information? Well, sometimes it's one of the limiting factors to why the crop isn't producing the way they want. Uh, you know, like I got guys that do vegetable seed and, uh, you know, they're not big on their boron or their manganese for, for seed set. So sometimes by just by playing with certain nutrients or micros, you could get that production up pretty quickly. I thought it was really interesting. A few years ago at our Ag PhD field day, there was a, a really high-yielding grower that was on stage and, and talking to to folks about different things on his farm. And somebody asked him about micronutrients, and, and he said, look, I just watch my plants, and if I see a plant that doesn't look great, and then I see a few more that look the same way, uh, chances are it's a micronutrient. And he said, I just go to the list of what jobs these micros do. And so often I find, oh, here's the one that, that should be fixing that. And I've got low test weight. Here's a micronutrient that could help me on that. And he said, over the years, that's really helped steer my program. Are you looking for that in, in crops where you say, oh, okay, I'm having this certain issue. It must be a, a micro could very easily be one of the things causing it. Yeah, I mean, real simple, like, uh, not not for us this year. We're hoping for some rain and snow today. Uh, but on a wet year in, in the trees, when the, the ground's wet, and those trees are having a hard time pulling any kind of nutrients up to the, to the top of the tree, that's where our foliar program is very important with all of the miners because we know the tree's having a hard time picking up any of the nutrients up in the tree. And same thing with a lettuce crop that's too wet or uh, even alfalfa. So stages we look for those stages, and then we see if we know in the soil test, you know what's going to be the limiting factor. We make sure we apply that in the foliar, or we, in the off season we build it up in the soils. That, that's a good point. So you've got a stressful year where you've got too much moisture, and certainly there's going to be areas this year that don't have enough moisture and are looking for ways to deliver things. Would you say it's similar when you run into those drought type situations on dryland crops? Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Because I, I like building up soils. I like having my soils in good shape, and most of the time that works, but it does take moisture to get those nutrients in. Do you find there's other things too? Do you, do you see soil microbial activity as being a big deal with when it comes to micronutrient availability? Oh, yeah. The better you have your soil balanced, you know, your calcium up in the, in the right position, same thing in the magnesium, and you start to get that worm activity and that soil comes back to life, it's amazing what the soil will release back to us that's been bound up. And on years like this where it's it's been dry, probably more important, the same thing like when it's too wet, to help those uh, crops get the nutrients that they're looking for. You know, in our corn and soybean farm here in South Dakota, we've we've really had good luck if we have micronutrients available for the crop early in the season. Is that the case yeah. with a lot of the crops you're working with that the early season is really the key to set the table or, or like you had mentioned seed set uh, that some nutrients, it may be more important to have them later. Most of them are up front early because you're trying to do like almonds are trying to make a nut. Uh, 
So, and in vegetables, you're running like a, you know, it's usually a 40 day crop, might be a 60 day crop because of the weather. And it's all up front. So, you don't, you know, for the, for the vegetables, it's the quality of what's, what does the vegetable look like? Nice and green, or does it have yellow spots? Uh, and the almonds, how much, the, how many of the nuts of the flower is the tree going to keep? And alfalfa, uh, what's the test weight going to be and the value of the feed to the, to the dairyman? So it's a lot of it's up front, and some stuff does come down the road, but most of it is up front loaded. How about with, when we think about micros? Uh, obviously, you can can purchase micronutrients, but how about in things like manure and compost? With your growers who are utilizing those fertility sources, do they have a lot of micros? Do you see a lot of issues with using those when it comes to micros? I haven't seen some of the the compost samples we get back. They have a little bit of the miners in there. Not a lot. Um, we've got places where we'll actually blend the fertilizer with the compost and put it out together. Like we know we got FOSS and K, but I'm short of, let's say, a little bit of copper, a little bit of manganese. We'll blend it into the compost pile and have it go through the field one pass, broadcast it all together. Sure, sure. Yeah, just to have some volume to, to get things out there. When we look at soil pH, too, uh, I know you work with a lot of different soils out in your territory. Yeah. What do you see with soil pH, and are there some things that if if a grower said, man, I've got a pH that's 7.5 or it's 8 or maybe it's 4.5 or 5, are there some things there you'd immediately say, wow, we got to really be on the lookout for micros? Yes, we do. You know, you get below six five and the six pH. You know, I really worry about manganese and uh, and zinc and some of the other nutrients that has a hard time picking up when it's very low pH. Even like molybdenum, we don't need a lot of it, but it can show up in small symptoms. And then the high pH ones usually you need a little bit of each one because the pH is so high that some of them are it's the opposite effect. When it's too high, they can't get to it. So. You know, running it through uh, irrigation or as a foliar will help us get that little Band-Aid while the soil is in that situation. All right. I know soil fertility is a big part of, of what you do, Paul, and how you're able to help growers. Mm -hmm. And there are only so many nutrients that we see on standard tests, but there are some other ones out there. And we hear about cobalt and we hear about nickel and some of these different ones. Are, are, there, are we missing the boat? Should there be more of these micros that become standard practice on soil tests? Uh, from past experience, sometimes the sandier soils I'm more worried about where's the molly and the cobalt. Uh, we've taken tests on certain fields. We see how they look, and there's symptoms that we can look back and say it might be molly, it might be cold, and we ask for it on, the, on our test just to see where it's at because it doesn't take a lot of that material to make a change. Um, but it is something that we do worry about at certain situations. Okay. How about, now you mentioned sandier soils, and that got me thinking about the potential for leaching and loss. And I think about boron when it comes to micronutrients as one that can move around in the soil. How do you manage that on, on the irrigated ground? Is it multiple applications through the year or using a different form of boron? What, what do you advise in those situations? On our sandy ground, we'll put some in the soil. But we will run, we'll spoon feed some boron throughout the whole growing season, a small amount of boron in with the fertilizer throughout the growing season so it gets into the plant. Yeah, it's not... it, it is on sandy ground, it is very leachable. 
Yeah, it's not always as easy as just one and done, uh, like a lot of us in the Midwest have kind of gotten used to. What We push the easy button. Hey, let's put all the fertility out there and call it good for the year, but not not always the case, like you had mentioned, to, to start off talking about wet years and dry years that sometimes just because yeah. it's out there doesn't mean it's getting into your crop. Yeah, the sand year guys have a little different program than the guys with the heavier ground that we could put stuff and it's going to hold. And the sand year ground guys, it's a lot – a lot of spoon feeding throughout the whole season. Yeah, it sure is a lot of work to make sure that crop is fed, but but wow, it, it does pay off when you get good yields and, and lots of good oh, quality yeah. produce. We're talking with Paul Borges. He's a consultant out in California. Paul, thank you so much. Been generous with your time and information. We really appreciate it. All right, you guys have a good one. You bet. You as well. Talking about micronutrients on our show today, taking your calls and questions as well at 844 844- 44 ag phd or you can always email us radio at agphd.com and i don't know if you caught that in there but i mentioned that we do get a number of soil tests that come that don't have all these micros on that's fine that doesn't mean don't send us your test if if it doesn't have everything on it but hopefully you're you're hearing a little bit that wow these micros might be a little more important and it might be worth doing and honestly it doesn't cost that much more to add them onto the soil tests we'll look at some soil tests and take your calls and questions right after this precision crop nutrition pays and agro liquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed the right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-Use Rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Step it up this season. Do more than just keep your soybean fields clean with Authority Supreme or Authority Edge herbicide from FMC. Walk those clean fields with pride and enter for your chance to win a $500 Cabela's gift card. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at stepitupwithfmc.com. Always read and follow label directions for use. Void where prohibited. Must be a legal U.S. resident and age of majority in your state to enter. See official rules for terms and conditions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. 
Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking micronutrients. If you've got any questions for us, just call us here, 844-44-AG-PHD, or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So we could talk micronutrients for the rest of the show. We're not going to do that because I do want to get back to the mailbag. But a couple of things that I, I do want to just mentioned to you, and we've talked about these a little bit here on the show here over the last few months, ratios, phosphorus to copper, phosphorus to zinc. Now, depending on who's doing your soil tests, I can't tell you for sure what your ratio needs to be. How you can figure this out yourself is if you start measuring your yield versus all your different soil levels. It's not that difficult. We're actually working on some programming, so maybe we could even do that for people in the future. Um, you know, otherwise, you can certainly put that together. On our farm, on over a couple thousand data points, we'll put it together in a day. So not that tough, but very educational. And here's where I'm going with this. On the tests we run, when we look at phosphorus to copper, then we want to be probably in that... 30 to 1 range, 40 to 1 range, something like that. And, you know, it's a fairly wide range. But if we get down into the 10 to 1 range, if we go up to the 100 to 1 range, our yields start dropping off. So that that gives us a better understanding of kind of where we need to be with phosphorus and copper. Same thing with phosphorus and zinc. The ratio there for us has been somewhere around 10 to 1. If we start getting that out of line, because we've actually had where we over-applied zinc and we had started cutting back on phosphorus and we weren't paying enough attention. Phosphorus got too low. So we literally have some spots that were two to one or three to one phosphorus to phosphorus to zinc. That is not good. And our yield suffered. On the other end of the spectrum, though, again, you know, we'd have a 50 to one or something like that phosphorus to zinc. Not good. So just take a look at some of those things. And then on top of that, there are just some minimum levels you kind of want to be at. So like with copper, we'll very often, and again, it depends on the test you're running, but very often with, with copper, especially on the DTPA tests, we're talking a bare minimum, bare minimum of a couple parts per million. And boron, we'd like to be one and a half, two parts per million on a DTPA test, you know, something like that. And so we very commonly will see when we look at people who have all the micronutrients tested, or at least several of the micronutrients tested, there will be one or more that's yield limiting. A number of years ago at Ag PhD, we did a test with 650 farmers. So it was a lot. 
and we did plant tissue analysis. And what we found is on, it was something like 98.6 or 98.4% of the farms, one or more micronutrient was low or deficient to the point that it would have been yield limiting. So when you think about that, almost everybody had some issue. And it's no wonder why. I, I mean, I'm sure you probably took ag classes in high school and college like Darren and I did. And all we heard about, well, I shouldn't say all, we often heard about NPK, NPK, especially when you get out into the real world and you're farming, you talk to the fertilizer dealer, it's NPK, NPK. And I'm not saying those aren't important. They are. That's why they're the primary nutrients. But if you lose focus on the micronutrients, then those at some point could be yield limiting factors. And the other big thing, and why I think this has changed so much, is when Darren and I were growing up on the farm, a lot of our friends uh, were also farm kids and they had livestock and they spread manure. Well, today things have changed. There's been a lot of consolidation, not just in terms of, hey, we have fewer numbers of farmers, crop farmers, but we also have a lot fewer people in livestock. I would say the consolidation in livestock is way more than the consolidation in crop farming. And here's why this is a big deal. Because again, back when I was a kid, everybody spread manure. Well, that meant everybody was putting micronutrients out in their fields. Well, now we're not doing that. And a lot of our friends, a lot of our neighbors, they're not doing that either. So if you stop putting micronutrients on, and I talk about when I was a kid, okay, well, that was like 40 years ago. <laughs> if you stop putting micronutrients on for 40 years or even for 20 years, heck, even for 10, you're probably going to deplete your soil enough that now all of a sudden some of those micronutrients become yield limiting. So we're not saying just go blanket spread all kinds of micronutrients. What we are saying is soil test and figure out what you've got. And then you can do some follow-up on that by doing some plant tissue analysis and see where, where that goes. And again, I'll just state the most valuable thing we have done on our farm in the last three years has been this. When we started matching up our soil tests to our yields, and now I don't care what any expert says on, you know, in, out in Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. All we care about is our farm and our results with our yields and our soil tests. And you can do the exact same thing for free. So when you start matching those things up, then the data will lead you in which direction to go. The data has led us to say, hey, we need a lot more K. Don't, don't, don't get so skimpy on the K and get more phosphorus out there. And, you know, some of these nutrients, oh, we've been in good shape on, uh, on that. Nitrogen hasn't been that big a deal. So, I mean, it, I'm not saying nitrogen isn't important. I'm saying we were apparently doing a good enough job with nitrogen already that it wasn't this big yield limiting factor. But some of the other things were. And that's where we want to stick our dollars because that's what gives us the best ROI. And that's what we're always going to be focused on. And I assume you are too. It's about return on investment. I don't care what I spend, but if I'm going to spend something, it better pay me back. And that's what we want to know. So anyway, micronutrients, super important. You don't typically have to spend a lot, but by getting a little bit out there then and having the right levels, having some of the right ratios, you're in good shape. You can move on. Hopefully you're getting higher yields and making more money on the farm. Oh, and I guess one last thing I would add. Darren and I, just during our last break, we were talking about crop prices because, I mean, we're looking at grain marketing just like you are. And we look at hey, with soybeans, new crop beans now, in, uh, locally for us, it's over 12 bucks. And new crop corn uh, is four something. What did, it, what did we say? Uh, 447 for December. <laughs> 
you going? Wow, that's good. So here's where I'm going with this. Okay, last summer when you were looking at things, like in our area, we saw 275 corn and we saw seven something dollar beans. And we go, ooh, I don't know if I want to invest. Well, now when the crop prices are almost double from what they were last summer, the return on your investment has a lot better chance to pay off. So all I'm saying is just look at that, consider that, and make sure you're making wise decisions based on today's markets, not how we felt about the markets, not how the markets have treated us in the past, but based on what we actually can sell crop for today. Okay, let's jump back to mailbag. All right, got a soil test here. This one is from Randy in Tennessee, and he said we recently bought... 100 acres of clear cut we have about half of it cleared with stumps and underbrush and it's the forestry has been mulched we want to start farming it for vegetables and the rest for wildlife as you can imagine coming out of the forest the soil tests look pretty poor just wondering how you would start attacking this soil so it could be more fertile and we could choose different crops that we may raise there okay so let's first of all say this Quite often now when, well, all the time now, when we pick up new ground, we just do it all because we have seen it pay so well. But if you are on a limited budget and you want to know, well, where should my first dollar go, which I assume that's what the question is, um, number one, we have to know what crop it's going to. And it looks like here he's got corn. So let's just assume we're going corn. So corn really likes a pH in the sixes, at least the low sixes. The pH here is 5.6, so I would spend a little bit of money on lime. I'm also looking at my phosphorus. It's a grand total of 16 pounds per acre. That's nothing. You need a lot of phosphorus. So I'm going to spend my money on lime first, phosphorus next, potassium third, because that's also really low. Now, when you start going beyond that, of course, you're going to need for corn, nitrogen, and sulfur. So I would absolutely get some of that out. And you only need just a little bit of boron, but get some boron out because boron's incredibly important too. Now, Now, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about these micronutrients because that was our topic today. And when I take a look at your micronutrients, I say, oh, his iron levels at 176 pounds and his manganese levels at 136 pounds are actually pretty good. So I'm feeling really good about that. It's more of the major nutrients and and boron that I am focused on. So the one micronutrient I would say that, in addition, I already mentioned boron, that he needs maybe a little work is copper. It's only one pound per acre. We'd like to see that up at four pounds or more. So at least be working on that over the next couple of years. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll get back to more of your questions right after this. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. 
How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Goose deck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Back at the St. Two Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Get this from DD, who says, want to use gibberellic acid and sugar cane. Do you have any experience with that? And then Andre had a question. What do you think about gibberellic acid for root crops? Can it also help us grow bigger roots? Okay, so gibberellic acid will elongate the stem. It can help plants grow more roots. We've seen more tonnage out of it. We have not seen more sugar or more yield in like corn, for example. So more tonnage though, absolutely. All right, this is from Eric in Idaho. He said, I'm getting a lot of soil tests, yield data, fertilizer application notes, etc. for every one of my fields. It's difficult to sort through that much data. I've been entering it into a spreadsheet that sort of works, but as I move forward <laughs> with adding more data points, it will only get more difficult. Do you have any tips or any software that you are using to manage the data? No, we don't. Uh, I mean, we have software that we're using, but not, I, I can't say there's anything that's amazing. We do a lot of spreadsheet stuff as well. I'll also say I'm not that concerned about past data. I know a lot of people are, but I kind of look at, hey, I want to manage this year based on this year's data, and we move on. All right. This from MLD. 
talking about grass waterways, wondering if there are different types of grass that will not be killed off by dicamba and other herbicides. Uh, do you No really grass see? will be killed off well, by dicamba. Uh, hold on, hold on. No, I, I feel the same way, except for this. When you've got new little sprouts well, sure. just starting to come up, yep. yes, you need to let them get established before sure. you'd spray it with a strong herbicide. Sure. We're seeing Roundup probably being the biggest well, culprit, right. just that guys aren't getting their sprayers shut off before they cross that waterway, I'd say, yep. more times than not. Yes, and it's really hard because waterways often run at an angle, and so you need individual shutoffs, individual nozzle shutoffs, and that really helps. All right, got some feedback from Kamal. He said, I think it's a huge lie that tilling destroys organic matter. Ask organic growers and any gardeners. They know the truth. What are you guys talking about? Um, it's a proven fact that tillage all by itself will reduce soil organic matter. That's just the way it is. You can look up any university study, any proven study that's out there. That's just the way it is. Now, we're not saying that just because you till or soil organic matter has to go down. That is not true. So if you introduce compost or manure, you're, you have crops growing out there all the time. You're raising tremendous crops. You have lots of total tonnage in terms of root mass and above ground plant growth. And I mean, there are lots of things you can do to still keep your organic matter even or, or even increase it while you're doing tillage. But if you do none of those practices and all you do is tillage, then your, your, your soil organic matter absolutely will go down. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Abdul. He said, I'm wondering if humic acid would help me extract fixed nitrogen or fixed phosphorus in my soil. Uh, would humic work or do you know of any other solutions for me to get the nit or the phosphorus, keep saying nitrogen, get the phosphorus that's tied up in my soil out? Okay. So will humic help? If it helps, it will be minuscule. What will help is growing lots of roots lots of root mass, the roots will kick out organic acids and, and stimulating, lower... And yep. stimulating microbes exactly because you need microbial activity out, to do this. Right, and they'll kick out sugars as well that will help get that going. But yeah, we want to look at drainage. We want to look at getting air into the soil. We want to look at... I mean, so that means maybe you need a little more calcium, better drainage, things like that. Uh, not Compacted soil is bad and will tie up more phosphorus. So... Um, Beyond that, I would look at potentially, you know, sulfur, some of the biological products that are out there, and heck, even cover crops. Just get anything growing, and a lot of times things will get a lot better. But <laughs> there, there, well, there is phosphorus tied up in the soil. Some of it you're just not going to get anytime soon, so you have to keep adding more phosphorus in the meantime. All right, thanks for the question. Get this one from Ryan, and he said... Uh, I got a test back from Neil Kinsey's lab. Just wonder if you guys would take a look at that and let me know if you see anything that jumps out at you as to things that could help me improve my production. Well, the thing is, Neil has recommendations on here already. His pH is 6.2, so it's not bad. Um, it's just it, it, there are several nutrients here where he's low, like nitrogen, sulfur, phosphorus, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that's, I, I would say, terribly out of the ordinary. But I will again come back to, since it was our topic today, micronutrients, 
recommendation here for boron, copper, and zinc because boron, copper, and zinc are all low on that soil test. And that's something that we do talk about quite often that, hey, you got to look at these little things, or at least what we call little things, these micronutrients, because they can absolutely have a negative impact on yield if you don't get to the levels where where you're actually shooting for. Now, the one thing that I would say with his particular soil test here is when you take a look at the ratio of calcium to magnesium, that's something that Neil focuses on all the time, and it's actually pretty decent. So, I mean, yep, Neil's suggesting that he gets a little more calcium out there. His pH is just a hair on the low side, and that'll raise his calcium. His calcium right now is 64%, and the magnesium is 15 So he likes the magnesium just a hair lower, the calcium a hair higher. But in my experience, that's probably the last dollar I'm going to spend on this test. That's all I would say. I would spend my money on the NP and K, then the micros, then probably that, uh, that extra calcium. Right. Thanks for the questions there, Ryan. Appreciate that. Got this from Larry. He said, I'm sending you two soil samples. So one is on the front side of the paper and the other's on the back. Uh, And then I've also got some herbicide questions for you as well. Uh, Let me hit the herbicides first. We're having a hard time with water hemp and lamb's quarters the last couple of years. We cannot use anything with Sharpen or Metribuzin because of the damage to our beans. Oh, wait, wait a second. Why? That's the question is, why are we having damage to the beans? Now, it looks like it's relatively sandy, and that's my assumption here, because we've got 5 to 10 CEC. So I get that, that no metribuzin. Okay, go ahead. Especially in those lighter spots out there. Now, you said traditionally we work the ground with a Landol VT to warm and dry the ground a little prior to planting. We're thinking about doing that and then planting and coming back after planting with Zidua, or Ingenia and glyphosate early emergence. Looking for ideas, just have a problem in these low CEC soils and getting a program that doesn't cost a hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, in terms of costing a hundred bucks, there's nothing that costs a hundred bucks and nothing that comes even close to that. So that's the good news. And with extend beans, yes, you can spray dicamba. You just can't spray dicamba very late into the season. We don't love Zidua down. It's a group 15. I'd rather spray that early post. What I would do pre is a yellow. But, and, not, but not in place ahead. of those pre's. And here's the thing that right. we like to do, Larry, is we like those pre's down, but save that group 15 for a later application. Yes, save that for early post. What I'd rather see is a yellow and some Valor or Authority tilled in with your with your machine and then come back early post with something like let let's call it uh, uh warrant ultra so you get warrant and you get flexstar or you could do zidua and flexstar i don't care but do that now you've got four different products that you've used then you can spray your dicamba and you should be in pretty good shape all right larry said they've been struggling getting good fertility recommendations from their fertilizer company that that they work with just wondering what you think on, on well, the fertility. It's hard when you have really light soil. It's just it's a challenge to hold everything. But I will say, you know, with phosphorus, there there is a big variance here. There's as high as 92 parts per million, but then there's also 32 parts per million. So in in those lower levels, you know, 30, 40, you want to get some more phosphorus out there. One of the biggest things though is potassium. And we talk often about, hey, you gotta have at least four percent base saturation K. And that's true, but the problem is your soil is so light 
at 4% base saturation K, you got 100 parts per million of potassium, and that's not even close to what you need. So you're going to have to put some more K out there, and as light as that soil is, I would probably consider adding some K in season as well. Now, I'd do it earlier rather than later in season, but I would definitely, definitely do that. There are also a couple of spots where your magnesium is down into the nines, and so in those spots where you also need K, I'd be putting out something like K-Mag to get the the percentage magnesium up into the 10, 12, 15 range. The more magnesium, the better in that light soil. Oh, one last thing. We've been talking about micronutrients on all day on the show today. I don't have levels on iron or copper, so I can't even give you advice on that. But uh, when I look at this, the boron is really low, which is expected because it's light soil. Just make sure you're adding a little boron. And then don't forget about zinc and manganese because you do have levels on here that are also a little low. All right, thanks for all the questions today. We did get a number of questions in about the Ag PhD Drainage Clinic coming up on March 16th. You can check out um, all the details for that at agphd.com. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.